0: Father, we, I just pray that you'd help us by the power of your spirit for faith to rise up and really mix our faith with the truth of what you're going to speak to us today. And I pray for a level of freedom, Lord, experienced spiritually in the lives of us that uh, perhaps we never walked in before. So take us there, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title of uh, the message this morning is Moses and Pharaoh and freedom. If you remember the story, I could summarize the whole story really simply as this. Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Pharaoh said, no way. Moses said, Yahweh, Let's pray. (laughs) That really is a great summary of the story when you think about it. But I want to back up and review a little bit before we kind of try to build on that. If you remember, as we talked about last week, we're talking about a time in history when the Israelites were enslaved in captivity in Egypt for over 400 years. It was a time about 1440 B.C. So it was quite a long time ago. If you remember the story, when Moses was born, his mother, because of Pharaoh's edict of death of all male children born at that time, his mother actually put the infant Moses in a basket and floated him down the river Nile. And it turns out that Pharaoh's daughter actually discovers the basket and brings uh, Moses into her home. And Moses is raised in Egyptian royalty. But even though he's raised in this this palace, he never stopped identifying with his kinsmen, the Israelites. And one day he saw one of his fellow Israelites being really harshly treated by an Egyptian taskmaster. And he was so enraged by this, he actually killed the Egyptian taskmaster. And then obviously being guilty of murder, he had to flee and he fled to the desert, the desert of Midian. And so the would-be deliverer, Moses, seemed to have missed his calling by attempting to do the right thing in the wrong way and at the wrong time. See, Moses really sensed this, you know, burning desire to see his kinsmen, the Israelites, set free from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. And it was his calling. He felt it. He sensed it. But at 40 years old, he tried to do the right thing in the wrong way at the wrong time. We also know clearly from the New Testament that all of us who know Christ have a calling on our lives. You have a calling from God. And it's very possible that some of you maybe have been trying to do the right thing, something you feel passionate about, but maybe in the wrong way, and at the wrong time. Now, good news here is that God wasn't through with Moses and God isn't through with any of us because four decades later, 40 years later, God appears to Moses in a burning bush, which we saw last week was also a talking bush. And a very reluctant Moses is told by God to return to Egypt and to lead out his countrymen out of bondage, out of slavery, out of Egypt. I want you to think about this assignment for a moment. Imagine this assignment. Your assignment is to go to the most powerful man in the world and demand that he releases his free labor force to leave the city and never come back. Well, That's essentially what God is telling Moses to go do. So Moses comes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. But there's a greater purpose than just liberty that God had in mind for why he wanted to see the Israelites set free. Let's see what the verse actually says. And actually, this, this command occurs four times in your Bibles. Exodus 8, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, here's the command, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. There's a purpose behind their freedom. Let them go that they can worship me and serve me. Now of course God wanted to relieve their suffering. But God wanted to do more than that. This wasn't just about human rights. God had a purpose in setting them free, and that was that they might be free to actually have a meaningful relationship with him. Love him, worship him and him only, and serve him had the liberty to serve him. And if you remember, the people of Israel had a mission God told Abraham that he was going to be a blessing to the nations of the world. His seed, Abraham's seed, Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Israel has 12 sons of 12 tribes of Israel. And this nation had a calling. And the calling was, the promise made to Abraham was that he'd be a blessing to the nation. So this, this nation actually had a mission to reveal to the other nations of the world the truth about God. They were to be a picture of what a people connected to God is supposed to look like. And they're supposed to be released revelation to the nations of the world to know the truth about the one and only God. And so God set them free with a purpose of mind. Part of that purpose was they have a mission to do. And they're not going to accomplish their mission in, in bondage in Egypt. And by the way, this is a, there's a good application for us as well. God has set us free from bondage from bondage of the domain of darkness, bondage to the devil, bondage to sin as our master. We've been set free, but with a purpose. If you know Christ, you've been set free with a purpose. And the purpose is, is we have an assignment. And our assignment is to make the truth about God known to the nations of the world, starting with our neighbors, our classmates, our coworkers, but on to the end of the earth. So what did God do? Well, Pharaoh wasn't ready to do this. Pharaoh wasn't ready to release his free labor force. So God had to do some things to convince him. He sent these 10 plagues upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt so that they would, in the midst of their pain, sometimes pain is the only thing that free will creatures will listen to. In the midst of their pain and humiliation, they would let the people go, let them go. And so Pharaoh finally does get to that place. He finally gets to a place of letting them go. But then he had, even after that, even after that, he had second thoughts and he wanted them back. In fact, time and time again, God would inflict these supernatural disasters on Egypt's population, not because God delights in suffering. God doesn't delight in suffering, but God is trying to bring free creatures to a place of repentance and as C.S. Lewis said, you know, pain is God's megaphone to wake up a morally deaf world. And so God sent these plagues for repentance sake, but also that his people would be released. And it wasn't until the tenth one, the tenth supernatural plague, which was the death of every firstborn child in all of Egypt, except those who applied the blood of the Lamb upon the lintel and doorpost of their home. And this is a beautiful picture because the angel of death would fly over and see everywhere where people by faith, they're really releasing faith to do this, are placed in the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. The angel of death would pass over that house and not kill that firstborn in that house. But every house that did not apply the blood, the firstborn was killed that night, including Pharaoh's house and his firstborn. Now, again, this is a beautiful picture for us because when we come to Christ by faith, we repent and believe in him as our Savior and Lord. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's a sense in which the blood of the Lamb has been applied to us. And the angel of death will pass over us. And we will live forever and ever. It's a beautiful picture. So this dramatic picture we get in in Exodus and in Leviticus is this picture of salvation. You have the Passover coupled by the parting of the Red Sea, and God liberates the nation of Israel. Moses leads them now to Mount Sinai to do what? To become officially God's covenant people. It's a beautiful picture. Things are supposed to be different now. They were set free from bondage to be God's covenant people on the earth, on assignment from God, to reveal to the nations of the world the truth about God. And by the way, the same thing is true for us. God sets us free from the domain of darkness, sets us free from sin as our master, what for? So we can be a people who display the truth about God to the nations. So that's who we are. That's our primary purpose. Now, at his core, when God makes a covenant with the Israelites at Mount Sinai, I mean it is his commitment to them that they will be his special possession his people and they were to now respond to him to say that they will love him and worship him only and serve him and this whole this whole picture that we get in the book of Exodus is much more like a marriage marriage vows than it is a list of do's and don'ts there is to be a uniting of hearts between god and his people. So there's a na- the nation is born now. The nation of Israel is officially born. And it's a beautiful picture of how God delivers people with the goal, delivers them from the enemy with the goal of them being now his special people. But the enemy hates this. And so what does Pharaoh do? Pharaoh still wanted them back. And again, I think we have another truth for us in the New Testament a time. And that is that we have an enemy. And our enemy, of course, is the devil and his minions. And he does not easily let go his captives. He doesn't easily let them go. He has to be forced, forcibly. And God brings the force. God brought the force when Jesus came and assaulted the devil and his kingdom in such a way that he had to let us go. And so we've been set free. But just like Pharaoh, the devil still wants us back. He wants us back. And and the sad thing is so many Christians who have been set free to now live for God and serve for God choose to go back into slavery. Choose to, again, do what the devil wants, let sin be their master. Even though they've been set free from all that, so many choose to live in bondage. Well, here's the truth. The truth is if you have truly repented and believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you have been set free. You are free. You are free from sin as your master. You do not have to obey that master anymore. Now, this truth is a truth that I think is one of the most important truths in the Christian life. And most Christians don't know this truth. And the Apostle Paul clearly teaches this truth in the book of Romans. And I want us to look at this. Let's start. Let's go to Romans chapter six, verse one through verse four. The Apostle Paul is writing on in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and this is what he says What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? I'll stop there for just a moment. Now, we just talked about the fact that during the baptism, and Don reminded us that when we are baptized, The picture is that our old self is dead. We go underwater and bury it, come up in newness of life. When we believe in Christ, we died with Christ. Our old self, the old you, is dead and gone. You are now a new creature. Behold, all things are new. So we died when we believed in Christ. The old you died when you turned to Christ. So you've been buried with Christ, and now you walk in newness of life, a new creature. All right, now let's go back to this passage again. Verse 2, Romans 6, may it never be. How shall we who die to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Water baptism represents what happened to us when we repented and believed in Christ. We died and we're buried. And now we walk in newness of life. We're new creatures. So when it talks about this, you got to just remember, when, when I believed in Christ, I died with him. The old me is dead. And so the apostle Paul says this. He says, do you not know? Do you not know that? In verse, in verse 3, let's, let's look at that verse again. Put the verse 3 back up. Do you not know? Problem is, most Christians don't know this. They don't. Do you not know this? This important truth that you, have, you are dead with Christ. When you, when you believed in Christ, you died with him. Do you not know this? It's important that we know this because if we know this, it will be life-changing. Paul's asking, do you not know what God did for you that you might not continue in sin, that you would no longer be enslaved to sin? Verse 6, Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. He's not talking about physical death. The whole context is your death with Christ when you believed in Christ. For he who has died is what? Freed from sin. Sin is no longer your master. Paul is saying this. If you know this truth, your death with Christ changes everything if you know it. Why? Because sin was the slave master of who you were. It is not the slave master of who you are. See, Paul is seeking to correct their behavior, wanting them to know they do not need to continue with these same sin patterns. He's trying to correct their behavior. How? By showing them the truth of who, who they are, their new identity. He's saying continuing in sin is inconsistent with who God has now made you to be. Totally Inconsistent. It's interesting, words are really important in the Bible. And he says here, all who are in Christ are dead to sin, which means freed from sin's power. All who are in Christ. This isn't for super Christians. All who are in Christ are dead to sin, freed from sin's power. No longer sin your master. Now, if Christians don't believe this truth about themselves, if they don't believe this, if they don't know it and don't believe it, Then they are in unbelief. And if you're in unbelief, you cut off God's power. And what do you have if you cut off God's power? You have your own power, your own determination, your own willpower. We all know how ineffective that is. What's interesting here is there are no commands in Romans chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, chapter five. No commands, chapter six till you get to verse 11. No commands in the entire book of Romans up to chapter six, verse 11. Why? Because what Paul is trying to do is, is take all that time to explain who you are now. You're a new creature now, your new identity now. We don't have a command. Until we get to verse 11, here's the command. First command of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6, verse 11, here it is. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Consider yourselves to be dead to sin. Now, is this a command to die to sin? Or is this to affirm that we're already dead to sin? See, the truth is, as a Christian, you are already dead to sin. You died with Christ. You've been set free from sin's power. It's not your master anymore. You do not have to obey it. Now, the devil doesn't like this truth, so he convinces Christians, no, you're still in bondage. And you, can still, you still need to obey this addiction, this bondage, whatever it may be. The truth is this, Romans chapter six, it's very clear. We're going to see it over and over in this passage. As a Christian, you are already dead to sin. It's no longer your master. You've been set free. So that means you do not have to obey it anymore as your master. I want to illustrate this from something from the history of our country, a very dark point in the history of our country. And that is slavery. Slavery. I want to illustrate something in the physical realm so we can understand something in the spiritual realm. Now, slavery throughout the United States was abolished legally by the 13th Amendment on December 6th, 1865. On December 6th, 1865, the 13th Amendment made every slave in every state free. Free on that day on that day no longer was one human the property of another on that day so how many slaves were in the United States on the next day how many zero Zero. none however millions of people still thought they were slaves millions experienced the same bondage they had before that amendment They were free, but they didn't know they were free. They didn't know it. Now, what would have to happen for one of these former slaves to actually experience freedom? What would have to happen? Well, number one, they would have to know the truth, right? Number two, they'd have to believe the truth. Number three, they'd have to consider themselves to be free. Number four, they'd have to stop submitting to their former masters. Okay, I want to illustrate this because I really want you to get this. I need like three guys up here real quick. So three guys, come up here. You three guys, boom, boom, boom. You guys, come up here. Come on up here. Sneed, you come up here too. Yeah, just one guy in the middle and one guy on each side. Okay, these three guys. Go ahead and spread out. These three guys are going to represent three former slaves. Okay, that's good right there. Now, former slave number one, let's say former slave number one, here's the good news about the fact that slavery's been abolished, he hears it. He believes it. And he decides not to submit to his former master anymore. He rejoices in his freedom and he leaves the plantation. He's free, right? Okay, you can go, Steve. He's free. Now, the second slave, he hasn't heard the news. He doesn't know anything about it and his slave master's not telling him. As far as he knows, he's still a slave. He keeps living on the plantation and keeps living out the life of a slave, even though legally he's free. Stay here because you're you're still a slavery here in your mind. Okay, legally, slavery's been abolished, but he doesn't know about it. All right, slave number three, he hears, let's say three months, let's, let's say three months after slavery's been abolished, he hears the news. But then he begins to think, he thinks, "You know what? This happened three months ago, and it't and I haven't felt free for three months. It doesn't line up with my feelings. I've not experienced freedom. I'm still living as a slave. So he concludes, even though he heard the news, he doesn't believe it's true. It doesn't line up with his experience, his feelings. So he continues to live out as a slave. He just believes it's not true. All right, Hey, don't be too much a ham up here now.) <laughs> Okay, now I want you to think about this for a second because here's what many Christians do. I think it's the smaller percentage of Christians on planet Earth, that's my experience, that actually are slave, like slave number one. They, they know the truth, they believe the truth, and they refuse to continue to submit to sin as it's their master, and they walk in freedom. I don't think that's the majority of Christians. I think that's the minority of Christians. Then I think we a, got a lot of Christians who just don't know this truth. We just read it clearly from the Bible, but they don't know it. They haven't been taught it, they don't know it. So they think they're still in bondage. They believe that they trusted Christ and they got a ticket to heaven, but they, they still have the same struggles every day in their life as a Christian they had before, before a Christian. They're living in slavery. Why? Because they don't know the truth. And then I think we got a whole lot of Christians are like slave number three. They've heard this maybe, but they don't believe it because they still, they still have the same struggles. They're still dealing with the same bondages. And so they don't believe it's true. They think maybe one day in the future they might be set free, but they don't believe they've already been set free from sin as their master. So because of their unbelief, they cut off God's power, and they only have their self will and determination, self determination, and they keep failing over and over and over. Okay, go ahead and have a seat, guys. Give these guys a hand, (laughs) would you? Now, Romans six declares that not only are we free from slavery to sin today, but you have been free from the slavery to sin since the day of your salvation. Because that's when you died with Christ. That's when you were set free. Now, many Christians conclude that this can't be true because it's not, it's inconsistent with their experiences since salvation. The problem is, is they have not known the truth and believed the truth and mixed their faith with the truth to walk in power. Remember, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you what? But if you don't know it. See, the devil keeps keeps trying to lie to believers. They don't know the truth and they keep walking in slavery to sin. You got to know it and you got to believe it. Romans 6, verse 12, look at this. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. Why? Because sin is not your master anymore. That's why. Sin was the master of who you were. Sin is not the master of who you are. Again, notice the word therefore. It's an important word here. Paul is pointing back to two points he already made. And then he says, therefore, because these two things are true, therefore. What are the two points he already made? The two points you already made is number one, you died with Christ. And number two, you're no longer enslaved to sin. Therefore, why would you go back and live under that slavery? I want you to imagine two plantation owners getting together and talking after slavery's abolished. And one of them says to the other, This is horrible news. I mean. We can't, you know, slavery's abolished. We lost our battle to keep our slaves. And the other plantation owner says, not necessarily. They don't know about this. So let's not tell them. If we don't tell them they're free, they will keep living in slavery. And the other plantation owner says, oh, but what if they find out? What if they find out about the 13th amendment and what they find out they're free? What are we going to do? The other plantation owner says, if they hear about this then tell them that they don't understand the 13th amendment, they're not free, but they're going to be free sometime in the future. And in the meantime, they can still serve the plantation. Do you see how the devil does this with Christians? I think the devil tries to keep this truth from Christians, first of all, why? So they can keep walking in bondage, keep walking in slavery to sin as their master. And then what's another truth that I think the devil's perverted is that so many Christians think, well, one day in the future, I'll be free. One day in the future, I'll be free. Maybe when I die physically, I'll be free. And here's what it says. Let's look at it again. Romans 6, verse 6 and 7, knowing this. That our old self was crucified with him. That our body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. He's not talking about our physical death here, very clearly. He's talking about our death with Christ when we repented and believed in Christ. That death occurred at the day of your salvation when you repented and believed in him. Now, our part, we have a part to play. Remember Romans 6, 11? Our part is to really believe this truth, know the truth, believe the truth, and then decide I'm not going to submit to sin as my master anymore because I'm free. So our part is to see ourselves accurately and stop obeying our former master. God says, consider yourself dead to sin. He doesn't say consider that you will be dead to sin one day in the future. If you pray hard enough, you'll be set free. If we go to a certain meeting and, and you know, if someone lays hands on you, maybe that time you'll be free. He doesn't say any of that. He says, you were set free when you died with Christ the day you believed. But you got to know it, you got to believe it, and you got to choose to no longer submit to sin as your master. See, millions of Christians are crying out that God would deliver them from some addictive sin And they're crying out for that. As a Christian, if you're crying out for God to deliver you, I want you to know you're crying out in unbelief. Why? Because you don't believe he already has. He's already done it. He did it through Christ on the cross. And we believe in Christ. We die with him. And we are freed from sin. And it happened there. And the reason so many continue to walk in bondage to sin is because of unbelief. They don't believe it happened. So they're still praying that it might happen one day. It's already happened. But we've got to believe it. We've got to choose not to obey sin as our master anymore. See, if we don't believe it, then all we have is our own strength and we cut off God's power and unbelief, and we keep falling back into the same sin patterns. Our part is to take this what we know to be true: I died with Christ. I'm no longer sin is no longer my master. Take that truth, believe it, and then we got to. You know, when we believe it, we're mixing our faith with it, and we're walking in power and freedom. Jesus says, "You shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free." But you have to know it. You have to believe it. There is a life-changing difference between believing God will do it and believing God has already done it. Romans six 13, let's keep reading. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, For you are not under law, but under grace. This is not a command. This is a statement of fact. Even though sin no longer has dominion over us, if we don't understand what Paul is saying, then we can still live as though sin does have dominion over us. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have to know this truth and believe it. See, it's possible to yield yourself to someone who's no longer your master. Romans 16, 16. Here we go again. He's not done. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. However, we will not experience that wonderful freedom until we believe what God says is true. I got to believe this. I got to mix my faith with his truth. The old me is dead and gone. I am freed from sin as my master, and I'm no longer going to live in it. And I believe it. I believe it. I've been set free through Christ. I believe it. And that faith mixed with that truth is going to give you the power from God to walk into freedom. We die with Christ. We've been set free from sin's dominion. Now, when the 13th Amendment abolished slavery in our country... Did all the former slaves experience freedom automatically? The days following December 6, 1865, most, most all of them didn't even know what happened. Most of them didn't even know what happened. Their status had completely changed. Their status, their legal status had changed, but they didn't experience freedom until they did three things. Until they knew the truth, believed the truth, and stop submitting to their former slave masters. That's when they experienced freedom. Experiencing freedom was not automatic. They had a part to play. They had to know it, believe it, and refuse to walk, obey their masters. They had a part. It wasn't automatic. Likewise, when a person is saved, the Bible says that person becomes a new creature. We are now the righteousness of God. We are free from sin's dominion. But the Bible never says that a change in that person's behavior is automatic. It doesn't say that. In fact, it says the opposite. Romans 6, 11 says, we must consider ourselves dead to sin. We have a part to play. Consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Romans 12, 2 says that we need to have our minds transformed so we can, you know, by the renewing, I mean, be transformed by the renewing of our minds what, what, what are we doing? We're, we're renewing our thinking about the truth of who we are now in Christ. That way we won't be conformed to the world. We have to mix our faith with this truth. We got to believe it. Let me give you a, a verse that says that the very same thing in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter four, verse two. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. When we hear this good news of Romans chapter six, it's a a, a life-changing news if we mix our faith with it and believe it, know it and believe it and decide I'm not, not submitting to that former sin master anymore. Romans 6, 16, one more time. Do you not know? that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. It is possible as a Christian to let sin reign over you. It's possible. Many Christians do it. Even though sin is no longer their master. Even though they've been set free. We can experience slavery even though we're actually free. So here it is, guys, because of Christ, you are free. You are free. Sin is no longer your master. You are free. You got to know it. You got to believe it. And you got to refuse to submit to your former master. Now, I'm going to ask Aaron to come on up here. Aaron, make your way in. We're about to close the service. But I think today is going to be a day of freedom for, for some of you. Now, Some of you already know this truth and already believe it and are already walking in freedom. Some of you already realize I'm not not submitting to sin as my master. I'm set free. I'm not doing that. You've already mixed your faith with this truth and you're walking in freedom. Some of you, this is going to be a day of freedom for you because some of you are like slave number two. You didn't even know this. You didn't know you were set free when you believed. And so you've been walking in the same sin patterns. You don't even have to. Now that you know this truth, you got to believe this truth as you're set free and no longer submit to your former master. And some of you maybe know this, but you don't believe it because you've had these experiences in your life where you continue to have the same struggles over and over. Well, I I want to propose to you that based on Romans chapter 6, the reason you keep falling back into that pattern is because you're not walking in faith. You're walking in unbelief, not believing you're really set free. So all you have is your own willpower and own self-determination, and that's not going to work. So today will be a day for you of freedom because today you're going to believe it. You're going to know it. You're going to believe I've died with Christ. The old me's dead and gone. I've been set free from sin as my master. It no longer has dominion over me and I'm no longer going to submit to it. Today, you're going to mix your faith with that and there's going to be a freedom in your life. The rest of your life, you'll be able to walk this out. I continue to remember who you are now. Remember who you are. So I'm going to pray and then as... Aaron just leads a song. Some of you are going to say, I know it, I believe it. And you're just going to stand up during a song. It's kind of a way of saying, I received it. I believe this truth. I no longer submit to sin as my master. No addiction, no bondage needs to stand with anyone in this room before you walk out this door. It's going to take your faith mixed with this truth. Some of you today is going to be a day you're finally going to know it and believe it. Some of you have knowing it, but now you're going to believe it, and you're going to grab a hold of that during the song and say, okay, Lord, I believe what you say about me. I died with Christ. I am freed from the power of sin, and I'm no longer going to submit to sin as my master today and from now on. So I'm going to say a prayer, and then during the song, I just think it would be good for some of you to say, today's the day. Some of you have already done it. And you can stand up just because you've already done it. But some of you, this is the day you're really going to say, put a stake in the ground, here we are. Now we're in the May and we're saying, Lord, I'm not I'm not living like this anymore in any bondage. And miracles are going to happen when you believe this truth. Miracles will happen. So let me pray, Father, you know what every where everyone is spiritually in this room. You know what who's dealing with what bondage, what addiction, who is struggling with the same old patterns, Lord. And today, Lord, they've heard the truth. They've heard the truth, Lord. They're dead in Christ. They were buried with Christ and they walk in newness of life and sin is no longer their master. And Lord, I pray now, you give us the grace for faith to rise up in everyone in this room, faith to hold on, to mix our faith with this truth and to walk in freedom. And that sin would not be mastered over anyone in this room, that there would be just bondages broken throughout this room and online because we're believing what you say. In Jesus' name. So as Aaron leads a song, if you, you know, go ahead and take an opportunity to mix your faith and take
1: a stand. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom.
0: Thank you, Lord. We thank you for the victory of the cross. Lord, we thank you for the freedom we have, being, being, Lord, just dying with you and rising in newness of life in you. We thank you, Lord, that we're free from the power of sin. We thank you. We mix our faith with that truth today. We know it. We believe it. We receive it. And, Lord, we refuse to walk as sinners, our master, anymore from this day forward. We're not going to walk in those same patterns. Lord, we're believing, Lord, that we are free from that. We're walking in your power, your strength now, not our own. And we thank you for that freedom. I pray, Lord, all this week, we just find ourselves coming back to this truth of who we are, what's been done for us, and how we can walk in freedom now and not believe the lies of the devil to pull us back into old patterns. That's not who we are. So we pray for just a a victorious week, Lord, and in the beginning of the rest of our life of walking in freedom. In Jesus' mighty name.